Hello friends, my name is Joe Batner and this is the Eyes on Oklahoma podcast. On today's very special episode, we are not really talking about OU football today. We are talking a lot of Oklahoma softball, actually almost exclusively Oklahoma softball because OU head softball coach Patty Gasso joins the program, very gracious with her time to discuss the new stadium that is coming to Norman for OU softball, the Women's College World Series, and the rising popularity of college softball across the country, as well as OU's move to the SEC in a few years or whenever that happens. But could not be more grateful for Patty uh, taking the time out of her schedule while she is actually in California as we recorded this interview. But just very thankful for her coming on the show, which, by the way, if you're not aware, Eyes on Oklahoma, the podcast is available on all major podcast platforms. And if you are a user of the Apple Podcast app, we would love if you left us a five-star rating and review. It helps get the word out about the show. Thanks to everyone who has subscribed to the podcast as well as the newsletter. And with that said, don't want to waste any more of your time. Here's my conversation with Patty Gasso. Hey, Patty, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for asking. Of course. I really appreciate you coming on the program today. A lot has happened uh, over the past few months. Uh, this offseason has been a very busy one for OU softball uh, coming off of a national championship. And I don't feel like there's anywhere else to start but here. Uh, a new stadium coming to Norman. And it's something that's interesting to me just because you know I'm talking to you at length about just kind of the, the evolution of OU softball with where you started playing at Reeves Park, going into Marita Hines, and now uh, you know going to Love's Field. You talked a little bit of just about how just how grateful you are for the experience. But what I'm, I'm curious, just knowing where this program has come from to now, what 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 is it like to kind of finally see that officially on the table that that your program is getting a new stadium? The best way to describe it is really like the final piece to the puzzle and this puzzle has been being pieced together for 27 years at least in my opinion that's how long i've been here so it just started from ground zero which was playing over at a city park reeves park fields not not collegiate shape uh, but we had nowhere else to play and shared it with slow pitch uh, leagues that play at night. So it would go over before practice and clean up beer bottles and <laughs> go over early to do those kinds of things. Uh, and dugouts not large enough to fit our entire team. So, I mean, we're playing games there. Um, and then just knowing that this wasn't going to be we had 50 fans there, 50 fans, maybe, and they were all parents. So it was doable, but as our team started to get better and started po- making some postseason appearances, it was unacceptable. I, we all knew that a stadium had to be built. When that stadium was built, it was like a wow factor. It seated 500 people, but to us, going from a blacktop it was almost like going from a black top elementary playground to a real indoor gymnasium type, you know? And so we were excited about it, but quickly as the team got better and we're making runs at championships, the fans started to pay more attention. 
So we went from 50 to 500 now to 1500 plus. And to be able to have a stadium that will seat comfortably 3000, but capability of bringing in 4000 is just surreal to me, but I've been watching it happen every step of the way. And uh, to to see where we are now, even going into the World Series, where when I went to view the World Series when I was a junior college coach and there's 2,000 people there, and I thought that was the biggest, most exciting thing I'd ever seen as a coach, to fruition into 15,000 is just, uh, it's beyond belief to me. But at the same time, the progress, how we progressed, it isn't really so much a dream. It's, it's really to me real. It's reality because the level of softball across the country has gone to a whole nother place that people love to watch. So um, it's been a, it's been a journey to say the least. And I'm just happy. I'm part of it. Now that you've had a few months and you bring up the women's college world series and the, you know, the upgrades that they've made there, uh, now that you've had a few months to kind of reflect on where the sport is going and where it feels like it's headed, I mean, is softball as in, as in good of a place as you could have imagined? I mean, I know you've been a, a very vocal part of, you know, kind of caring. And I don't even know if a movement is the right word, but you've, you've just been at the forefront of, you know, empowering, you know, not only your players, but I think softball players everywhere, just to kind of look back and see what this women's college world series was in 2021. Um, how excited are you just for what the future of the sport is just considering the massive amount of success that I think the event had this year? Yeah, it's, it's really exciting for me. It's exciting for coaches. It's really exciting for players to be a part of, uh, the viewership is off the charts which is sometimes hard to believe when we won back in 2000, they only showed like the world series games. And though that's when everything I felt for us, at least started to turn quickly and viewership was up. So people wanted more and that's, you got to deliver what the people want, I guess. So to see where it is now is, is just a wow factor to me. But to be along for the journey has been really special because I've seen I'm one of the only coaches probably left in coaching. Not too many of us left that have seen where it started. Um, and, and before I even got into college coaching, I knew the history of it going into it. So I, I can't imagine not just people like me, but some of the pioneers that came before me watching it on TV from home who are now all retired. Some of them send me text messages, just how much they enjoy watching this and how far it's come. But those are the real pioneers that have laid the foundation. I think I'm just someone that's got to carry the torch. Um, and then I plan to hand the torch over to somebody else and let them do continue to do the work. But the one glaring difference is just has always been kind of the equality of say softball versus baseball or men versus women and it's this isn't you know me carrying the torch for really women's rights but 
when it comes to we we are one of the only sports of all collegiate sports that does not have instant replay and when the game is on the line and we don't have that it really makes a difference whether you're going to win or lose um playing all these games within seven days is exhausting for coaches, but <laughs> it's not about us. It's, it's extremely exhausting for players. And I've come to a place where I'm very uncomfortable at times putting, say, a pitcher out there that is thrown so much. And now you're starting to think about her wellness, her safety, her mental side, and it really got exhausting. It really was. So now adding two more days to the World Series is just a game changer, truly, because now you're going you're gonna to see rested athletes play at their best. When you're watching Florida, and, uh, Florida State and Oklahoma play each other in the College World Series, fans may not know it, but I know it, these two teams are absolutely exhausted. And so you're seeing the lat who can stand the longest, you know, it's just, it's, you're hurt, you're beat up, you're tired, your legs aren't moving the way you want. So there's a lot of things that can happen for our sport still that can make it better for viewership and better for, and the, like thinking of the welfare of the student athlete. That's what the NCAA stands by and that's what they need to deliver for for these championships so i'm really pleased i'm very happy if, if i played a little small role in helping this happen uh, i felt that my duty for our sport for our coaches for our players so um i'm very very pleased about some of the changes that are coming but there's still a lot more we need to do and i hope that that happens within the next few years I'm going to ask you just as a, you know, as a softball coach at a high profile program like Oklahoma, I mean, you could, like, I think a lot of coaches, if, if you turn on sports center, you know, play this, you know, the safe card, they, they don't want to, you know, go out and not necessarily speak against what's, what's happening, but just to kind of speak up on things that they see issues in the game. When did that start for you as far as just like clicking, like, Hey, I have this platform that I can maybe evoke this change. And I mean, was, was there any, a point in time where you felt like, you know, I do have this voice or was there another coach maybe that, that inspired you to do that? I'm curious where that came from. Yeah. I, I'm not someone that is always very comfortable standing and, you know, on that platform and voicing it loudly. Um, if I'm on a platform, I'm usually sharing my faith or I'm just talking about my players. But rule changes and things like that are, are something that I usually leave to someone else. <laughs> but I did have coaches texting me saying, this is your opportunity, you know, like kind of pushing me into that place. But it really kind of honestly came naturally because I, I was in post-game interviews. Uh, there were reporters that were leading me in that direction. And I thought, well, this is the right time to to go there and be honest. So that's really how it came about. It wasn't my plan to go in the um, post-game press 
conference and, you know, throw my voice out all my concerns and ideas. Uh, it just kind of led me there. And, um, you know, I just, I think it kind of went organically. I, like I said, I didn't have a plan um, for all of this. So I just, I knew it was an opportunity, a golden opportunity that I needed to grab. So I, that was really how it came about. I was going to say, I mean, for people that maybe don't listen to the post-game press conferences, I mean, you're, I, I don't say that just because you're on the podcast, but you're, you're one of the more, it, uh, provide more, some of the more rel- revelatory answers, just as far as coaching goes. Cause I, like I said, I, I feel like do coaches do sometimes fall into, and I don't think it's a bad thing by any means. I mean, you're just trying to be the face of the program and not trying to, you know, for lack of a better words, cause any trouble, not that you've ever had, but, uh, getting getting to talk with you in post game though i think that you do offer up a lot of interesting points and kind of where i want to take this now is just uh, as far as your team goes and kind of looking at the the makeup of OU softball at this point is just it you know you bring back a lot uh from this 2021 team going into 2022 uh and you've really constructed a lineup that you talked in the in the preseason of 2021 just how talented you think that that team could be offensively and that obviously came to fruition um and then i think you mentioned just the athleticism you have on defense uh kind of forecasting into 2022 a little bit now that you have fall ball out of the way just where are you at with this program i'm sure you're not you know 100 happy just as any any coach would be at this point but just what is it like going into a 2022 season where you have that much experience coming back right the biggest challenge for us honestly is after winning a championship it's it's kind of like you did the ultimate you've got the ring now now what and can i get them motivated and driven and we've got nine newcomers to the program so there's just a lot of teaching that was going on uh quite honestly there was a little bit of frustration going on as well because there was some you got a lot of returners who are working at one level and a lot of newcomers that are trying to learn how to get to that level. The one thing that I didn't really pay much attention to and because I I just get out there and I (laughs) just do my thing, but there is quite a um, wow factor for some of the newcomers, for all of the newcomers. When you come in as a freshman or even a transfer and you are now on on the team that just won the national championship, there becomes some second guessing and questioning of your abilities. And do I belong here? Am I good enough to be here? Wow, I've seen them on TV. I've seen them with their backs against the wall. Can I do those kinds of things? Those are some of the barriers that I have learned that I need to deal with because I just jump in and just try to go and wonder why they can't stay with me sometimes. And that is something that I've learned a lot. It is a tricky dynamic after you've won a championship. It's tricky to find out how to navigate through the fall of the next season. And that has been a little tricky. What has been quite different for us is last fall, we had seven pitchers and they threw a lot we did a lot of inner squad 
scrimmages, which were tremendous. I mean, there was really great competition, but our hitters won those battles all the time. So the scores were 14 to 10, things like that. What is happening this fall is that our pitchers are owning our hitters. And I haven't seen some of our hitters, elite hitters, as frustrated as they were this fall because they just weren't able to square the ball up. There are more strikeouts uh, amongst our team, which now the offense has turned into, I just don't maybe feel my swing. Like there's different sounds coming from the offense than there was the year before. And I, I hope that's a good thing, but they are frustrated because they just didn't have the same kind of success. But the good news is our pitching staff is owning one of, at times, at times, owning one of the best offenses in the country. So that's another challenge is making sure our offense has the confidence going into the spring that they did the year before. So I need to take our live pitching out of it and bring Fale of you and Sid Romero, our, our uh, student, our grad student manager to throw some front toss or just kind of bring back allowing these guys to hit their monster home runs and get that confidence back. But it's been completely different. The fall was completely different also because last year we were dealing with COVID. So all of these players were in, um, zoom classes and now they're getting up they're working out they're going to class it's the the pressure the stress on them is way different time constraints I mean there's just it's a different kind of press I think every program feels that now um, there's a different kind of press this fall because they're living like a regular student and many of these athletes, you know, the young ones have never had a real year of college because you just, you know, you go practice, you go back to your house or your dorm, you don't go out, you don't go out to restaurants, you don't go into classes anymore. So now it's as back to life the way it was. Um, and they're, they're, they're not used to it. They're not, they weren't really ready for it. So it's interesting. It's a totally different dynamic that we're trying to figure out. I want to ask you a little bit of, I mean, from the outside, it always, it's never felt like your team has struggled to buy into what you're doing. And I don't, I don't know, maybe that if it ever comes off that way to you, but I would imagine it's pretty difficult just to kind of get everyone on the same page. And I think that with COVID obviously presented a lot of problems to just about every sport as far as trying to build team chemistry and I think that kind of going back to last year you look at that 2021 team you know after they lose the the opening game uh against James Madison things could have went south if you don't have a team that's you know you know kind of brought together and you know bought into what you're doing how tricky is that just in terms of just like getting your players to a point where that 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 buy-in isn't questioned or just if that's you know how, how tough that is for you as a coaching staff, how tough that is to get to that point where you have these players that are going up against, you know, the best of the best competition in practice, you know, competition breeds competition, but uh, what's that like for you as a coaching staff to try to get to them to that point? And I'm sure, you know, obviously, as I mentioned, like 
you're probably nowhere close to where you, you want the team to be. And why would you, as, as we talk today, but you know, just how difficult is that for you as coaches? Yeah, it's interesting because I mean, you, you need to train it from the very beginning. And so it's like your non-negotiables and our, one of our top, our top non-negotiables, we will never quit no matter what, no matter what the score is, no matter what the situation, we will not quit. And that is the number one, if you talk about culture and your championship mindset, that is number one. We will never quit. If we're down by 10, we're not quitting. We're not, we're going to play hard and that we train that way. So when we got into the World Series and we lost our first game, I wasn't feeling like, oh my gosh, we're going to be out in two. We're going to be a disappointment. What a flop. You know, it's nothing like that. It's like more of the team had more of this um, bow up attitude. Like, okay, um, we're ready for this situation. We're not scared of it. We're not afraid to lose. We're not going to play safe. We're going to go for it. We're going to put it all out there. The attitude also was like, we didn't come this far to come this far. We have more to show. We have more in us. And they just, they were not ever afraid to lose. And that's more training of, just more the personal training of saying you are not what your outcome is. So many times athletes are thought of, you're like, you're a loser. Wow. You get to the big game. You can't win. You're a loser. You know, you just, (laughs) this society can just crucify athletes because we are not living up to their standards. So we really do a lot of work on the personal side of, you know, if we, if we don't get through this, we're all going to be okay. We're not going to let our get lost in our identity through softball and how we finish. So when you live that way with your team, then they are secure in the outcome, no matter what it is. And that really helped us as well. So all of this training is not, it's not me giving a big speech saying, all right, everybody, here we are, and this is it. It's been their training from day one is the non-negotiables. And one is we never quit. Um, number two, we work our tail off. We work our butt off. We are not going to take a playoff. We're going to hustle in everything that we do. Um, so if, if you know we're never going to quit, then you got to play like you're never going to quit. And that we try to live. So these are these non-negotiables that are brought forth from the very beginning and they take us to the very end. So either we're going to live that way. And if we don't live that way, then we're not getting through these moments when our backs are against the wall. So it's just, it's, that's where your championship mindset, we try to groom that. And um, I got to depend on our, upperclassmen i got to depend on our leaders to live in that world if they aren't living in that world no one's living in that world so it's delivered now all right upperclassmen elite athletes grace lions you you type athletes show us what it looks like and let us follow you and that's really how it happens as far as those intangibles go is that something that you 
can ever project out of a high school player that you're recruiting and trying to, you know, get to commit to Oklahoma, just as far as just like, it, it feels with uh, like a lot of your players that they kind of share that same uh, drive and just kind of like talking with a lot of your players through the years, just, they, they seem to kind of be on the same page as far as just what they, what their goals are, how bought they are into the team. Is that something you can ever project though, in recruiting and you've recruited really well, but I'm, I'm curious, just how do those intangibles come into play and can you project that? Yeah, it's, that, that's an interesting question and it's a whole nother level of answers that I (laughs) would take a long time to answer. But the short, the short answer to this is I'm out recruiting now and I am looking for not just athleticism, but fit. Exactly what you said. This, not any player can come into our program and feel like they belong there. It's harder for me to find the fit. And I am, my mindset says five-star athlete, five-star athlete on defense, five-star athlete on offense, and just a hustler, a gamer, Uh, you know, not just a little more maturity maybe at times than, you know, girls like to have fun and I get that. But when you're on the field, I want to see a different look about you where you're really trying to win or you're trying to lead your team. And it's hard to find that. And part of it is because these athletes these days play so many games that winning and losing is almost like, well, we've, this is the sixth game we played today. So what do I care? So I, it's hard. I've got, to, I've got to look very closely and almost project what I think could happen because I can't really see it sometimes because the way things are played it's not playing you know double headers it's playing three four games a day uh, or three games a day over three days and it's hard to see it anymore so I I look for that intangible and I see it in a lot of athletes. I'm still looking and it's not, it's not easy to find, to be honest. I was going to say just with, with recruiting, I'm, I'm sure it maybe uh, it would seem at least for an outsider that it's maybe gotten easier for you to, to find players, just kind of building the program up to now being a national title contender. Uh, but kind of adding into that, just it now, and I, I kind of wanted to end this with you just as far as, uh, OU's move to the SEC, which will you know come in 2025. Uh, but and I know that's a long ways down the road. But I, I want to end just kind of with this. Just you, you look toward what Oklahoma is building, new stadium. You you've got the national championships now. Obviously, a lot of conference dominance. But soon you'll be in a league where you know they care a lot about softball. And I think there's a lot of leagues that, you know, when you first started, you know, there was, you know, a part of the country that really cared, but now it's so much more widespread as you kind of look to what Oklahoma has ahead of it in the sec. Is that only beneficial for you all just as far as, you know, still creating that championship mindset you're going to go be going up against. And the big 12 obviously is a very tough league. And I think that showed that this past year, but going into the sec just how beneficial is that move for you as just a coach that this is going to be once again you're going into another environment different teams same i think you know uh, a lot of competition but 
you kind of get into this thing where, you know, week in, week out, you're, you really can't take any weekends off. Just um, what's, what do you feel like that move is going to be like? And maybe how much do you try to avoid that conversation as far as just uh, players that maybe want to look ahead or, you know, I'm sure a lot of media will ask you the same thing in the, in the coming months. Well, I'm not afraid or I'm not afraid to say that I'm very excited about the move because our program and this whole championship mindset mantra, it equates to loving competition. Uh, you can see us win games 29 to nothing. <laughs> as impressive as that might look, it's not fun to be a part of. It, it's kind of a wow factor, but it's just not fun fun it doesn't make your team better competition makes our team better those tight games those you know hard fought games make you better that's what i'm looking forward to the big 12 has gotten much better the coaches that have uh, come in have really done a great job of building their program so the big 12 is not easy i i can tell you that for sure but being able to play the, the SEC undeniably is the best conference in the country to be able to join that. Uh, I think you're having championship style games every weekend. The thought of having Alabama come to Norman uh, will pack the house. We'll have TV cameras all over that. I think Alabama will travel their fans out. I just, it's so exciting to think about. It's almost like a mini, mini, mini version of what a football game might feel like when you're, you've got OU and Texas playing each other. So to be able to allow our, our players to feel that, to give the fans great matchups week in and week out, um, it's really exciting. Our team is really excited. The players are very excited. And then to, to do this in a brand new stadium, like I said, it's just, it's just full circle. It's full circle. But I think players who are big time players and are getting recruited want this. They want it too. They, they want to play in the SEC. They want all the things that come with it too. Every game will be televised nationally, you know, through their SEC, ABC affiliates, ESPN affiliates. <clears throat> I just, I think the excitement around it is going to be a wow factor. So um, I'm not afraid to say I'm pumped and our team is not afraid to say they're excited about it. Well, what do you feel? What do you feel about it? I'm, I mean, personally, just, I, I think that growing up with, uh, kind of watching the women's college world series myself, just, uh, there's just so many, so much culture to that, that, and I think that OU softball, um, just kind of my own impression, like, you know, where, where Patrick seats, the media, I, I get to kind of be, you know, with the fans. And I think it's one of the best cultures, but adding that into the sec, I'm, I'm excited for those environments just to be in those. Cause I think that, uh, kind of like with, with Bedlam, um, I feel like that was kind of a rare, a rare kind of environment just because, you know, some of the, you know, the, the big 12 has gotten better, but obviously, you know, there's some weekends where there's not as a, not as a quality of a team. And so the atmosphere just doesn't feel the same, but I, I'm looking forward at least to hopefully that, 
those environments will kind of replicate when an Oklahoma state or Texas in town, but I think it's going to be a lot more frequent. I'm also just, uh, Patty, just being a guy from Oklahoma is just, it, it's fun to think about, you know, how will OU look in the sec? Um, because I think that around here, you're kind of told pretty often that just, you know, it's a, it's a different league and, you know, only these people belong, but I think that OU softball has more than held up its end of the bargain as far as showcasing itself as a national power. So I couldn't be more excited for just to kind of see how that all comes to fruition. Um, I did want to ask you uh, one last thing, just as far as just SEC and it, does the, does the scheduling get any trickier now that you, I know you've, you know, made your schedules just as far as in the big 12 is I think as hard as you, you can get them to be. And I know this last year was probably uh, I think you had talked about how tough it was to schedule teams this past year. So the, the out of conference wasn't as good, but does that change your philosophy at all? Just as far as like who you want to go play, or is it just like you want a juggernaut every weekend? You mean now, like in oh, the I, season I, now, or just going not, forward in the SEC, or going forward? Because I, I think that there there is a bit of a scheduling philosophy difference between uh, probably not maybe not so much in softball, and maybe I'm kind of projecting some football ideologies because we're in the middle of football season, but. Does that change at all how you just kind of view your schedule as far as who you want in that non-conference? Yeah. So going forward in the SEC, your power rankings, your RPI is going to be through the roof, whether you win your games or not. That's been shown. We've, we've seen that. So if you're in the SEC, I still would feel like I would want to go to tournaments and play <clears throat> some maybe Pac-10 teams. And they'll have a top 100 type um, schedule in the way of like scheduling teams that are in the top 50, top 100. I wouldn't, you know, go super soft because that's not going to prepare us for what's coming in conference. Right now, what I have to do is the exact opposite. In the February, we better be ready to play because we're, we're opening up playing Mississippi State and UCLA the first weekend. We've got to play teams out of our conference that are top top teams in order to get our RPI. And so not only do you have to play them, you have to beat them. Um, the next uh, two weekends later, we play Arizona and Tennessee in the Mary Nutter tournament. So it's quite different that the, the mentality, the whole – shift is completely the opposite from big 12 to sec the challenges i'm having right now is no one no one wants to play us unless i practically we pay for their entire trip they don't they don't want to come to norman i do have a good tournament coming up at the hall of fame stadium the third weekend in march because we're playing and offering the hall of fame stadium but it's it's been really tough trying to create a schedule that is worthy of the number one seed because it's just hard to find those teams to come and play. If we want to play them, we've got to be we would have to be on the road constantly, and that's not fair to our fan base either. So we're we're working on that the best we can, but that's one thing that will be solved when we go to the SEC is I don't have to beg coaches anymore. I mean, I, I don't. I don't think we have to do that. Um, 
so that that's always been the number one challenge for me as a coach is putting together a quality schedule that warrants us a top 10, you know, ranking or set us up for postseason seeding. But if I'm trying to play teams from the SEC, like a good example is Arkansas, is why do we need to play you when we can get our RPI right out of our own conference? So it doesn't make sense for me to risk a loss to you or Oklahoma State or anybody else. We just want to uh, stick with our conference and play some, you know, uh, they play a decent schedule, but they just won't play any of the top 10 teams outside of the SEC going forward. So I see how the shift is going to happen, and I'm kind of looking forward to it because I'm tired of begging coaches to play us. (laughs) Oh, I was going to say, do you think, have you had those conversations with uh, uh, Coach Gajewski up at Oklahoma State just as far as continuing that Bedlam series at all? No, no, we haven't. It's it's too early in my mind. I yeah. we haven't even talked connected about it at all. It's too early. Um, there's still some hurt feelings by a lot of teams in the conference. Um, I've had coaches come up to me like and and upset with me, like I am the one that <laughs> made the whole transaction happen. I'm like, I'm I'm just along for the ride, you know. It's it's quite interesting that people view view me a little bit different because of this whole big move. It was one of the biggest things I think that has happened in our sport, definitely since I've been in it. Um, so, um, yeah, I just got to be me and do my thing and see where how it's going to work out, but too early to have these conversations um being that things are still looking like they're a long way away well, i appreciate your honesty i just know how tight-knit the softball world is and it's one of those things when the women's culture world series comes around how amazing it is to kind of see that you know melting pot of fans just kind of come together for this big event it also helps that it's you know in oklahoma city it's just kind of a, a fun you know a fun thing to look forward to you know every spring but uh patty uh, i appreciate your time um i normally ask my guests at this point just you know where to where to find them uh, on social media and whatnot but i think people know where to find you i did want to ask though how is the family doing and how are the dogs doing uh the family is doing great kids are growing um and they're wonderful to just when I come in the door to their house, they just scream, oh, my, and that just makes my heart melt. Um, unfortunately, um, we lost our first ever dog, Una, um, about a month ago, which was really, really difficult on our family, on me, on my husband. I never knew how much that hurt so I've been going through a little bit of mourning but um I just want to find an answer to that and so I talked to the vet and like when is the right time to introduce or go get a new dog and she said whenever your family feels it's the right time so my husband and I looked at each other and I'm like do you feel it's the right time and he's like, yeah, do you? And we're like, yeah. So we are bringing and introducing a new puppy into the family. 
that looks just like the dog we lost. So whether that's the right thing or the wrong thing to do, um, it's something that I think we all want and will bring us some joy and relief. So that's probably more information than you wanted. But one thing I'm always trying to do on, you know, when talking to you is be truthful. And that is the truth. So we're uh, introducing a new puppy into the family this holiday, December, and um, it's going to be like being a new mother all over again. Well, I'm sorry for Una. Um, uh, yeah. Just a fantastic dog and was uh, happy that we could uh, cover her in some way. I, I think we put her picture in the paper at one point, but... You did. She was a celebrity for sure. <laughs> well, Patty, thank you so much again for your time and best of luck this upcoming season. I hope your holidays are, are easygoing and relaxing. Um, I'm, I don't know how this time of year is for you, but I hope you guys, uh, you and your family have a, have a good holiday season. Thanks. Same to you. And thank you for covering us. I really appreciate your support and interest in our sport it means a lot to all of us. And uh, wish you the same hope well, I know you won't get rest because football is in heavy <laughs> action but hopefully you find some time as well but thank you for having me I really appreciate it that does it for today's episode of the eyes of Oklahoma podcast we greatly appreciate Patty Gasso for giving us her time to talk about OU softball and where the team is headed into 2022 as well as all the other subjects we touched on but just a fantastic conversation with her and very much like I said looking forward to what Oklahoma softball has to offer this coming spring uh, until then we appreciate you all for subscribing to the podcast and if you haven't already eyes on Oklahoma is available on all major podcast platforms uh, we really do appreciate all of the uh, feedback you guys have given us and for your support of the uh, the website so until next time we appreciate every one of you and you all have a great weekend